Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast that inspires community, joy, and a bit of outrage, according to Jen Flash Andrews. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me for your Monday recap edition of Little Red Bandwagon in Kyle, Texas, Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Howdy, y'all. And saving the best for last in New Brighton, Minnesota, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. We are, of course, recapping your latest week of TBTL. But before we do this, if you have not yet listened to Friday's show, uh, where we talked to Phyllis Fletcher about the state of public schools and some great clips from 2008 about making better choices with Jen and Jason, please stop now. We'll wait. Go back and do that. All right, we're going to move on to some LRB business, followed by your TBTL Week in Review, some housekeeping and how to get involved. Let's jump right into our business because we've got a lot to talk about today, starting with Anne, who just quit her job. <laughs> I did. I quit one of my jobs. Anne, how, lo- how long had you worked there? Uh, 17 years. Jeez. I know. I was a baby. Absolute baby. I started there the summer before I started grad school. And I'm warning you guys, if at any point I uh, start to cry, as I have been a lot, I'm going to yell, joke, joke, and one of you has to say something funny, okay? (laughs) Mm, That's a lot of pressure. We put the wrong people on the show this week for that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I've been working two jobs for a long time, and it's gotten harder and harder, and um, I've felt like my whole life has been a series of just trying to get all the pieces to fit together, you know, um, scheduling wise. And I finally decided that it was time to hang things up. So I talked to my boss months ago at the beginning of the summer, and I told her that I wanted to wind things down by the time we got September and I cried and she cried. But it's been great since then. And people have been asking me, so are you going to be sad? And I'm like, nope. I'm ready for this. (laughs) And it was just absolutely fine until uh, Friday. And I was fine all day Friday. And then I went to my last shift. And my coworker, Jim, told me that it was going to be really weird without me. And he didn't know what he was going to do. And then Mm -hmm. we hugged. And see, I'm getting upset already. And then the the store owner called me. Joke! (laughs) Okay, I'll tell a joke. Uh, What... (laughs) Did the zero say to the eight? I don't know, Mike. What did the zero say to the eight? Nice belt. Nice belt. And then what did the eight say back to the zero? I don't know. That joke was so shitty, I'm going to go lie down for infinity. <laughs> are, you, are, are you okay, Anne? No. <laughs> okay. Um, you should have written it down and I, I should have told it because I'm cold and heartless. Uh, anyway, the the store owner called me and he told me how much he's going to miss me. And, you know, they, they taught me a lot there. And he, he taught me about being a manager. I, I ran a store for him for six years. And I learned about kind of managing people and running a store. And he's the only person that I've ever actually been able to fight with. I know because mm. my family, we don't fight. It's all very right. civilized and logical and calm and and Dave and I are, we're always good for a dust up about once a year or so where mm-hmm. he's kind of obstinate and I would decide that I just <laughs> couldn't take it anymore. And so we'd 
have a throwdown. And then the next day he would call me and we'd talk about it. And I learned that that's normal and healthy and people can fight and that's great. And then my boss came in in the evening on her day off and she brought me flowers and fancy desserts and a fancy chocolate peppermint bar because she knows what I need. And we talked for a while and, and it was really nice and I was still going strong. And then I was uh, sweeping the floor at the end of the night and I started to get a little teary and God damn it. And then when I went out to my car, my boss had posted this really cute Facebook picture of us and said how much she loved me and she was going to miss me. Mm. How long did you sit in the car before you could see well <laughs> enough to drive home? Well, I had been planning to stop by Trader Joe's, but by the time I was done crying, Trader Joe's was closed. <laughs> oh my God. That would make me cry. <laughs> Bobby loves snacks. He would cry even more. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh. <sighs> But it's all to the good. That's what I want. Can I tell you that I I take a lot of comfort in the fact that you could never quit this podcast because you'd be too emotional? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. 16 years from now, you'll still be here doing LRP. (laughs) Because we'll just lay it on thick. It's like, oh, we can't can't do it without you. I don't know what life would be like. (laughs) We can't do it without Anne. Yep. Wow. I told my coworker Jim that now when he can't find boxes in the stockroom, he can't accuse me of throwing them away. And he said, I mm. know, I know. So I'm very happy. Mm. It's just thinking about all the good things. And yeah. and it's been an emotional weekend. And you still have one full-time job. Mm-hmm. I do. And we can give you as much more LRB responsibility as you want. Sure. Right. Sure. So... Thank you. We know it's been a hard week for you. Uh, I'm impressed by the fact that you still swept up when you could have just said, fuck it, what are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> right, right. But I always good. I always wondered end. when I sweep, god damn it, does nobody else do this? Because there's so much crap on the floor, so I couldn't leave it. <laughs> You're going to go back in a month and it's just going to be a layer of dust bodies. <laughs> <laughs> we could use you around here. I have to sweep every day or... Ginger hair just piles up in drifts, and the bunny's molting now, too. So please come down to Kyle and sweep up. All right, I'll bring my new vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah. On a a lighter note, can you tell us about the new vacuum cleaner? Because you know, tens love vacuum talk. Yes. My whole problem is that there's just too much choice when you've had a 60 year old vacuum cleaner Mm -hmm. for your entire adult life. And then you start looking on the market. It's just absolutely bewildering. And I was like, I just want somebody to pick it out for me. So uh, actually, Meredith picked it out for me. She <laughs> told me nice. which one. She- She's a connoisseur. Yeah. You, she, you could you could do a lot worse than have Meredith pick out your vacuum. Yep. She told me which one she used. I don't think I ended up getting that exact one because there was one that was purple. And I was like, well, if you can't go crazy on your vacuum color, then what can you do? But I did. And I used it for the first time yesterday. And I had to empty the filter um, or the container twice, which shows you exactly mm-hmm. how good a job my old vacuum had been doing That's for the last eight years. Pretty satisfying, mm-hmm. huh? Yeah. All right, uh, we have to keep moving, guys, because there's a lot to talk about. Mike, you've got a quick Kyle story for us? Sure. Uh, it's under the guise of Kyle's story because that's my brand now. But I was listening to the show with Phyllis uh, on Friday, 
and it was about making better choices. And it's a good story to tell now because it, it's a, of a time when uh, I was a terrible employee. It was quite the opposite of and 17 years and still sweeping up at the end of the last shift. I was <clears throat> I was out of college and I had a broadcast degree and I was really wasting it. Um, I was working for a uh, cable company. I forget the name of the company, but um, at the time there were probably only 30 or 40 cable channels. And I was the master control for one of their channels called Cable Learn. Uh, and it was just playing educational programs. Uh, I would I would work, I think I worked like a four to midnight shift. And all I had to do was play PSAs and play these educational programs. And it was boring as hell. And uh, one night I invited my friend Dave to come down uh, because there was nobody else in the building. That asshole, and, Dave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that guy, Dave, a 51-year-old man who doesn't believe that women uh, poop. So... I invited him down and we had some booze a hall and I put on one of the programs and we went down to make some food in the microwave and we're sitting in the break room and everything's going fine. And I go back to, you know, in a half an hour, I go back to uh, change the program and I find that the, the tape machine is malfunctioned and there's been nothing really on the air for a while. And how I know it's been a while is because the phone is ringing right there next to the monitors and it's the station manager who's uh she was pretty upset about um there not being anything on this channel that she was in charge of uh, apparently there were a few uh esl students or whoever they were watching this <laughs> oh no programming and and they were a little upset when it just stopped and dave and i were boozing it up in the break room so uh, I think I, I saved my job there. I made some excuse, and she was too lazy to come down and, and find out we were having a, a party at her at her uh, station. But uh, I was making some pretty poor choices back then, as, as you all know. I was high, I was drunk, and I was supposed to be playing television programs and getting paid pretty well. That, that job actually paid pretty well out of all the shitty jobs I got out of college. Uh, but, you know, there it was. I made some really... Poor choices. There's your Kyle story for the day. Can you get fined for being off the air? I mean, is there any kind of penalty? Um, I think that was one of the things she yelled at mm. me. I think that was one of the one of the things she screamed through the phone. Yeah. Of all the ways to get an FCC fine, that would be the least interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that this is your version of Luke playing the uh, audiobooks in the wrong chapter order. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, people get upset. Yeah, these these people are trying to learn English, and and you know, I ruined their dream. Probably somebody didn't get citizenship because I fucked it up. Uh, and speaking of Mike's ability to get us into jams, uh, and do you have a jam tracker update? Uh, the update is that we are holding strong at thirty total jams, uh, five jams per person. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, Brandon posted on our Facebook page. Uh, recently that either Meredith or I, I can't remember, um, referred to our jam stock. And he says that would be the absolute worst musical fest ever. It would be jam stock. <laughs> oh, no, no doubt. No and doubt. I was wondering who would play a jam stock? Dave Matthews. Right. Uh, Fish. Are they still touring? <laughs> yeah. Grateful Dead minus Jerry. Whatever's left of the Grateful yeah. Dead. Yeah, exactly. 
And probably the mummy would somehow be involved. Oh, yeah. Fucking bluegrass karaoke set in a champ stock. <laughs> oh, my God. Bluegrass. Don't get me started. So uh, Bluegrass is, is to me what jazz is to Meredith. I can't take it. If we ever uh, decide to run a yearly fundraiser or something, we can call it jam stock. Jam stock. Jam stock. Donate or this will happen. Jamstock 2016. Yeah, donate or we will organize this and come to your come to your neighborhood and do it. Uh, that's like we'll sell tickets to it not happening, but we'll price them like Bumbershoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, $130 for five minutes of Jamstock. Uh, I don't have a story this week for LRB Business because I'm still reeling from getting my feet touched. So... Again, if you haven't listened to Friday's mm-hmm. show, please do. Uh, and with that, uh, Anne, why don't you get us started with the Week in Review? All right. Monday, 2195. Can't start, will stop. Uh, Luke starts this episode in an unusually serious fashion. He gets into this New York Times Magazine article that was about Michelangelo's David and its structural instability and how it could be vulnerable to earthquakes. Um, then he talks about, uh, this was, this was a tangent, right? Yeah. This is like an instant yeah. tangent, but, right? but he got into it for a very specific reason. He, they talked a little bit about mm-hmm. the craziness of uh statue of David merchandising. And then he went to a paragraph from the article about perfection, which hit me where I live and I was going to go look it up, but uh, David Barkley actually posted it on his Facebook page. So he was obviously as interested or moved by it as both Luke and I were, but uh, it was about the uh, downside of perfection. Um, let me see. I won't read the whole thing, but uh, it doesn't take much analysis to get to its ugly side, a lust for control, pseudo fascist purity, self-destruction, Perfection makes you flinch at yourself, flinch at the world, flinch at any contact between the two. Soon, what you want, above all, is escape, to be gone elsewhere, annihilated, which, as Luke said, is a pretty um, dark um, response to the Statue of David. And he talks about it um, as it uh, manifests in his fixation on his image, the image that he projects his Twitter feed and his clothing and his body image. Mm -hmm. And we've given him a lot of crap about that. And I sort of start to see where he's coming from with this. And I wondered if you guys had any thoughts on this. I do. It's a, um, I mean, when you know someone for a long time like that, you do start to notice their patterns and you, you, it, it becomes less, uh, like, Sometimes when you, you you first see this kind of behavior, you're like, that's ridiculous. Why are you stressing over this or doing that? But you just see that that is just them and they're not a good enough guy. You know, like um, it's so much easier to go through life as a ah, good enough guy. And you can see that he actually is struggling with it. He doesn't He doesn't like this part of himself. You know, it is him, but he doesn't particularly like it. It's a tough line to walk between caring and not caring too much and not caring too little Mm -hmm. and not becoming crazed by it. I think this is what capital P perfection Mm -hmm. is, is the complex that can destroy you. Um, 
all I have to add to this is that this is a pretty deep tangent for the start of a Monday TBTL. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It was amazing. And not to get too much into Anne's therapy corner, but it is a major issue that I work on with my therapist. And she has a saying, she says, for you, Anne, an A is an F and a C is an A. And I was like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. And she said, the whole idea is that she doesn't want me to strive for A's, to get graded for A's. She said, if I'm going for A's, that's actually an F. And what she wants me to strive Hmm. for is C's. So an A is an F and a C is an A. And I'm like, okay. There's no chance that that your therapist is dyslexic, is there? (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) No, I get what she's saying. It's just, you know, that's a good point. Sometimes things have to be good enough. Yes. Uh, we all need a little Stuart Smalley in our life. <laughs> and it's really funny. Luke acknowledges the irony of, of talking about perfection uh, on a show that is um, so slapdash seeming and tangent prone and loosely produced as TVTL. But um, I think there is a definite image that he is going for with the show as well. That's... Uh, some really careful striving that we don't see. I think it, it manifests itself much more with Livewire. Yeah. Yeah, the show and his brand. Um, mm-hmm. And and the way that's evolved, I mean, it's so different now than it was eight years ago. All I picture is that doofusy picture of him in his legalized L.A. t-shirt. True. To now. <laughs> and to think about how much more mature and how much more seriously he's taking his... You know, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about his ability to talk his way into anything, which is his his charm is one of his strongest skills. And I call it that absolutely a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. he's really honed the way he uses it and to achieve more professionally than to just skate by. Now he really wants to own it. Uh, and that's coming through with CBS Sunday Morning and with Livewire and all these other things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's good. It's good mm-hmm. for him. It's good for the show. Um and, uh, you know, that that's the same little bit of vanity that's gotten us through eight years of TBTL. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of. But I did. Uh, I looked I looked at the at my podcast feed when they were about halfway through this tangent to see where we were in the show, because I thought there was no way this wasn't the top story. And did I miss the first <laughs> 35 minutes of the show? Yes. Uh, speaking of vanity and struggling with one's self-image. Andrew is dreading trying on the suit that he is planning on wearing to this wedding in LA because he's pretty sure it won't fit. So he's been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And now he's at the point where if it doesn't fit, he doesn't have any other options. Right. I think if you put together all of the Andrew suit talk from this week, you would probably have about 60 minutes (laughs) We, well, I don't think we need to dig into it too deeply because it all worked out okay. Yeah, uh, at least so we imagine. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get the postmark from the wedding yet, right. but he a suit with went with him to L.A. and We'll talk about that later. Um, yep. But uh, guys, uh, don't paint yourself in a corner with this stuff. You got to wear a suit once in a while. I keep one dry cleaned suit at the top of my, you know, at the, at the one end of my closet, ready to go because you just never know. Mm-hmm. Don't let it sneak up on you. Yep. I'm sh- and there's no there's no reason for having to take a dirty shirt to LA. Right. 
Ladies, I'm sure you all have an emergency dress somewhere or an emergency, you know, formal outfit, pantsuit, something. I don't know. I have some very clean cargo <laughs> shorts behind glass. Well, that would be a Kyle story. Uh, I actually keep almost a full change of clothes in my office at all times, at least one. So if I run into the office in jeans and a T-shirt and then get an emergency last-minute meeting or something, I can jump into slacks and a spark coat, not a suit coat, slacks and a spark coat and a shirt and a tie, uh, just in case. And then in the summer, I keep a pair of shoes there, too, because I tend to be running around in sneakers all summer. God, you're uh, like a superhero. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a business yeah. casual superhero. <laughs> Uh, let's go to top story for the day, and that is the sad news that Gene Wilder passed away. And I can't say that I really even thought about Gene Wilder in a long time, but he made some good movies. And Andrew loves Gene Wilder so much that he is just really affected by this. And they get talking about the movie where he fell in love with a sheep. Um, no, he didn't fall. Well, in love I thought with he shit. did. That's he how was they the therapist. Categorized. No, it. <laughs> no, it was it was classic Gene Wilder because Gene Wilder in most of the movies where he was really funny, Gene Wilder was us. Gene Wilder was the person thrust into the uh, weird or awful situation, and he was the he was the therapist. Some some dude came in his office and started talking about how he was fucking a sheep, and and if you watch the clip. Uh, which I think I put on the Stens page. His reactions are fantastic, and he played played that character off of Richard Pryor really well. And in a lot of movies, he he was the everyman. But there's a lot going on inside his head. But his his expressions would betray his bewilderment or his alarm at whatever was going on around him. So that's what I really liked about Gene Wilder. He he was making movies really during the era when I was starting to really appreciate comedies. That was when he was making most of his movies, and he was really, really talented. Yep, and I could not believe that they actually played that scene on the show because, as they said, it's so nonverbal. Right. He, I think he stopped it right before the guys... Before, right, I think he stopped it right before the guys yeah. started getting... <laughs> Super graphic about what he did to the sheep. Uh, and you make a good point in your notes that despite the passing of Gene Wilder, that Mel Brooks will outlive us all. It seems like it. Mel Brooks and uh, and who, who's the guy did All in the Family? That guy is like in his 90s and he's sharp as hell. I can't oh, even think of his name um, and he could probably think of my name Norman and he Lear. doesn't even know me. Yeah. Right. Norman Lear. <laughs> And as far as I know, Mel Brooks has been ancient for my entire life. Yeah. Right. So at some point, he just stopped getting older. He just, he had the nebbish thing down really early in life. It's like he was an old Jewish man when he was 25, somehow. <laughs> yep. Um, they tell a really sweet story that I hadn't heard about uh, Jean and Gilda Radner, who, of course, were uh, famously married, and she died of ovarian cancer. Is that right? I think it was ovarian cancer and uh, a very uh, sweet story. I forget how it started, but it ended up with when she went for the cancer treatment, he tied the tennis shoes to her pink umbrella to um, let her know how much he loved her. That's a good love story. It's cute. Yep. And they agree that he was uh, scary as Willy Wonka. And I did not see the Johnny Depp version because I just felt like there's no need because the Gene Wilder mm -hmm. Willy Wonka was 
was so good. And he actually was kind of a sinister character in the books. He had just a little bit of, yes. of um, I don't know, moral ambiguity to him that I really liked. <laughs> it sort of scared – that movie sort of scared me a little bit when I was a kid. But what – what redeems it is that you just you know if you're a good kid, right? He's right. not going to kill you. Uh, and plus, the uh, the remake ruined your childhood, of course, as right? they all do. Like all like all remakes do. <laughs> it's, it, you know, the original is the scene that launched a thousand memes. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. his impact on the 21st century because he has that expression on his face. He has one of those classic Gene Wilder yep. expressions. Where he knows he knows stuff that you don't, and he's just letting he's humoring you. I really like your point, Mike, about how uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is essentially a morality play. I had not thought of it that way, and yeah. of course, I would be the good child, but I would have fantasies of being Augustus Gloop and going in the Chocolate <laughs> River and up the pipeline because I don't think that would be a bad ending. <laughs> Didn't uh, Veruca Salt also get? murdered in the oh, movie? Oh, they all or had a horrible They all end. got murdered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they all met a terrible, terrible just did not end. work out well for anybody except for Charlie, because he was pure of heart. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, oh, and we found out that uh, Gene Wilder had Alzheimer's, which I had not heard about, which I guess was deliberate on his part, that he didn't want that spread mm-hmm. around. I can respect that. Uh, yeah. He had a career-long image for people, and it's really sad to watch people sort of slowly suffer mm-hmm. and not wanting to do that to generations of fans. Uh, that's, that's really reasonable and thoughtful. Yep. Mm-hmm. So RIP Gene, you were a good one. Can you take us to the tyrant, Bob Ross? <laughs> yes. The nice tyrant. Netflix is going to have the joy of painting featuring Bob Ross available. And uh, the thing that we find out that absolutely astounds Luke is that that hair was a perm. And uh, that's a crazy yeah, good perm. That was a good that that white fro. Mike, how's this stack up to the fake. one time you got a perm? Uh, the perm that I got looks so awful. <laughs> Barb did it for me after my senior year of high school, and it looked so awful that I immediately straightened it. And then um, I tried to go to the movies with my friends that night, but they wouldn't sit with me because it smelled so bad. <laughs> I think we went to risky business, and they and they sat pretty far away from me. Didn't work. I was trying to look like Jack Sigma, who was the center of the Sonics at the time, and he got a perm, and all the women swooned. And and I was like, well, I have blonde hair too, and I'm t- kind of tall. Maybe it'll work for me. No, didn't work for me. Don't get a perm, guys. Don't do it. Um, I I applaud the effort. <laughs> yeah, I was trying yeah. to get chicks. You know how we, you know how we yeah, do it. I do. Yeah, because I've woke uh, so many Didn't times. Work. I've thought to myself, if only I had a perm. <laughs> hey, if you saw if you saw how how the ladies were swooning for Jack Sigma, you would have seriously considered a perm as well. I'm gonna have to do some research on that. Yeah, it only it had nothing to do with well, athletic ability perm. or money. <laughs> no, he was he he. It was the perm. I mean, he was an all star, yeah. and he'd made a lot of money, but. Once he put that perm on, it was like he went from a big, lumbering, invisible uh, white fella to heartthrob. Yeah. Those are some golden locks. All right. 
Sorry. Um, Sorry for the detour. Yes. I just I just know that will, Mike got a perm once, and I like to remind everyone of it. That, that was an important, important detour. Uh, so the other thing they talk about is how he, he Bob Ross was, as you mentioned, Bobby, known to be a tyrant, a nice tyrant. And he was just very particular about what he wanted and how he wanted them. And uh, I, it makes me think of my dad because my dad is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. But he is also uh, a nice tyrant and uh, is not capable of compromising. So it's mm. hard for people to understand quite what that's like when the person is, is such a decent human being. So I kind of uh, sympathize a little bit with the, the people with Bob's business partners. So do you find, Anne, that you, because he is who he is, I mean, nice guy, but a tyrant, do you find that you completely work around oh God, him yes. with a lot of yes. stuff? Yes, the okay. whole family worked around him. <laughs> like he didn't get a say in a lot of stuff because you didn't, because he would just have to have it his way. So you just present things to him fully formed. Uh, I don't know. It's it's almost even more complicated than that. The The dance that goes on to make things mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. It makes me good at negotiating relationships now. So let's let's spin it in that positive light. <laughs> sure. sure. This is just like how I explain to people how I learned to be independent so young by needing to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it is what happens. it is. Uh, this does make me wonder if all of those classic PBS shows were actually helmed by monsters. Like they flip off the camera mm-hmm. and Mr. Rogers is just... Just ripping a PA to shreds. Right. Jim Henson, that asshole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That Wahlberg guy from Antiques Roadshow, I bet Mm. he he slaps people around. You mean the other Mark Wahlberg? The other Wahlberg. Mark L. Wahlberg. Not Wahlberger. (laughs) Because it matters. (laughs) Um, So they talk about whether they're going to watch this. And Andrew said, no, he's not going to watch it. And he makes a good point because... He likes TV as background noise while he plays Hearthstone. And um, the joy of painting is such a visual thing that uh, he thinks mm-hmm. this would not be compatible with um, his preferred entertainment. Um, so he would rather uh, have golf on or, or the slow mm-hmm. TV that he and Phyllis talks about. And Luke just says he's bad at relaxing, which we kind of knew. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about um, how Joy of Painting might be kind of a nap accompaniment. And I've tried that. I've tried Joy of Painting. I even tried shows like Teletubbies, you know, <laughs> like where nothing happens and no one raises a voice. But they're creepy Yeah, the nightmares that I would have shows... if you told me to nap to Teletubbies. <laughs> oh, man. I, I actually thought, because someone suggested it, it said, hey, nothing happens, nobody raises a voice. So I like flipped that on. And it, to me, it was just like the, putting the joy of painting on. It's like, I, I mesmerize. I'm like, what the fuck? Someone's going to get murdered here. <laughs> well, it's just so creepy. They have all those bunnies hopping around in the grass. I would think that would really do it for you. Uh, no, no. I think so, one of those Teletubbies is going to eat the bunny or the bunny's going to jump up and rip somebody's throat out. I, but uh, golf, yeah, yes. I'm a yes to golf napping. Right. As long as John Daly's not in the tournament. Right. Yeah. As long as you don't have idiot fans. If Tiger Woods or John Daly are playing, then turn the shit off. Right. I do like golf as background while I'm doing stuff, but I've never tried napping to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe that's a new life goal. (laughs) 
growing up without cable, yeah. I spent plenty of afternoons watching golf or tennis on the weekends. Ooh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> NBC, the tail end, I think, of the wide world of sports, too. The occasional weird thing. The best uh, golf napping is like um, on the Masters because they go like almost commercial yeah. free, yeah. I think. So you don't get interrupted, you know, by the jarring commercials. Yeah. You you go and then suddenly it's an ad for Jack Sock for president. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we electing a Jack Sock for president? I don't understand. I don't know, but the horrible. cost of getting it dry cleaned at the Ace Hotel is just going to be insurmountable. Oh yeah, the fees and the oh yeah, it's like it's fifteen dollars when you're all done with that Jack Sock. We better get through Monday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Finally, we have a voicemail from Linda in Australia. Uh, reacting to their um, quiz on Australian uh, verbiage. And she wants to let them know they're pronouncing chook incorrectly. And she's kind of surprised that um, saying chook as a, a slang for chicken is not a worldwide thing. She just assumed that everybody said that. And she has uh, something called goon bag roulette which is a drinking game she wants to let them know about which is you take the goon bag which is like the wine skin or sack or whatever the wine bag and you take it out of the box and tie it to um a washing line one of those circular spinning ones and you spin it uh like playing spin the bottle and um i can't imagine it's going to be long before the guys try that sure Australia is the world's leading exporter of drinking games. <laughs> we don't really understand how to pronounce their nicknames for chicken, but there are a lot of Australian drinking games that sure. will make their way around. Uh, before we end Monday, I just want to point out, I think it was Andrew talking about always wanting to loosen your tie and pop that top button when you're at something like a wedding and you're waiting for someone to do it so that the tone has been set. You don't want to do it too early and... That really says you're either the party guy or the fat neck guy. <laughs> <laughs> or or the guy who pre-functioned. He's already he's, he's already, already at, yeah. you know, point two. He's like You can be yeah. both. That's my point. It's okay uh-huh. to be both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and finally, I just want to say that they close out the show with putting on the Ritz, the young Frankenstein version, which is one of my favorite things that awesome. ever happened in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I had my windows down in the car Tuesday morning while that came out, and I got some looks in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> What's great is how committed Gene Wilder is to the <laughs> to the song. I mean, he's really bringing it. Yeah. Um. All right, Tuesday, Sky Jinx. <laughs> uh, begins with the now famous Andrew. Chateau Saint Michel ad where he says, "Look down at your." They say left hand. Yeah. Then look down at your right hand. If there's no Chateau Saint Michel in your either of those hands, you're a loser or you're doing it wrong or something like that. Um, people were posting on the Stens page pictures of their yep. hands. <laughs> I did it. I tweeted mine. Uh, I was in the car while I was listening to Tuesday Morning Show and. Uh, wouldn't that be something? You're you're on the way to work and you have wine in both hands. Uh, I'm surprised that Andrew took this tack in um, in doing an advertisement because he's the last person who wants to be told what to do. Right. 
and he was basically telling people what to do to get some Chateau Saint Michel in his hands. It's pretty aggressive mm-hmm. for him. It was good. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It was surprisingly good. Yeah, because I mean, it was usually those they start the ad and that's just kind of background noise. You're just waiting for the show to start. But that one was pretty engaging. It worked. It got a lot of traction. Uh, there. They did. There were there were there were posts. I mean, CSM will be happy to to see the traction that it got. So there's more suit talk. Um, I I tune out <laughs> usually during the clothes talk. I'm I'm sorry. Um, Luke drives Andrew around playing curb your enthusiasm, but it, the the I can't. You have DVD players in the front seat now. I thought these they were make for them. Kids. They make why. Um, the, because the so many cars have the screens on them now for the stereo and the navigation, mm-hmm. a lot of them, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I knew one person in college who had this, and I think he was ahead of his time. It could also play DVDs, mm-hmm. and he went to a garage that hacked it for 50 bucks and did it so that it would play video while you were driving. It's supposed to be disabled. Does anybody else at night try to watch uh – watch videos that kids are watching in other cars in the <laughs> <Yes>. backseat. <laughs> I want to see what's going on. <laughs> Try to figure out what it is. It, it's a game, you know, it's like, what is that movie? I've what tailgated a minivan or two in my time. Yeah. It's inviting trouble because the people behind you are like, I, is that Aladdin? I don't know. Which <laughs> is the, I don't know. In my experience, it's almost um, always SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> yeah, Sure. I had a friend, uh, Jim Haberman, in high school who had a Fiero that had a TV in it, but uh, he flipped it, so that Fiero with the TV didn't last very long. But I always wondered, I, d- I never watched TV in his car, but I was like, do you have to be like driving by the TV station to pick it, <laughs> to pick it up or driving by the tower? And, and who wants to watch like King 5 News, you know, while they're, while they're driving around town in their Fiero trying to pick up chips? Um. Because there's another thing. I mean, if you had a perm and a Fiero, right. goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, the WGBH Boston airs the PBS NewsHour on the radio. And so I think that's the poor man's version of this. I get to listen to PBS NewsHour on my drive home from work sometimes. Mm. Hey, Sorry. ladies. <laughs> get in. Uh, the Cowboys are getting an escort around seattle on the on the night before the seahawks cowboys preseason game and the guys seem really surprised by this but this happens in every town you host the team you know you don't don't be a dick and say good luck getting getting into the game guys good luck getting to the hotel we've washed our hands of it i mean uh i was just noting the other day I, i finally got to watch some cable i went over i was over at uh, my wife's friend's house and I was watching some sports center and the Midwest fans credit Ann and her ilk that they were hosting LSU for a game in Lambeau field. The Wisconsin Badgers were. And when, when LSU arrived in uh, green Bay, there was a marching band there playing their fight song and they were giving out Mardi Gras beads. Wow. Uh, be a good host. Don't, don't just tell them. That's good a luck, warmer guys. reception than air force one got in China. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when teams come to play the Patriots in Foxborough, people who are not football fans might not realize that the New England Patriots actually play in a not much of a city uh, other than the stadium and the world built around the stadium that's about halfway between Boston and Providence. And the teams always stay in a nice hotel in Providence because it's just infinitely easier 
I'm sure, to get them in and out of Providence than it is to get them in and out of Boston. So we see these escorts every game week. They fly by because I live right near the highway mm-hmm. and um, I pass them at least a few times a season out on the highway uh, driving up and down. It's very normal. Uh, and I'm sure they're paying through the nose for it because I'm sure it's a bunch of mass state troopers getting overtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whatever. Well, in the NFL especially is a is a big boys club and there's these 32 guys and they all want to show off and and you know treat the other team's first class because they don't want to go to the meeting and say hey why'd you give us this buckled transportation and set us up at this shitty hotel what's wrong with you guys you know they want to everybody wants to be first class in the nfl everyone wants to treat each other well it's uh it's always going to be that way so let's not well and it minimizes trouble if there was no escort can't you imagine Mm-hmm. A few dozen drunk, uh, masshole New England Patriot fans waiting for that bus to roll out. I mean, there, right. Romo, you suck. Bottle- well, that would be true. There are beer bottles just being flung at <laughs> buses. I mean, it would just be chaos. Yeah. Um, Andrew's playing a lot of Hearthstone these mm-hmm. days. I don't really understand what it is. It, has it been described well enough on the show? Am I just not paying attention? Is it like... Minecraft, but with non-blocky characters. What does anybody know about this? I don't. But um, when they're talking about all the the things that he needs to get, it sounds a little Dungeons and Dragons to me, just a little bit. Oh right, right. Uh, well, that leads to the talk of the end of Stranger Things. Lucas got into the end of Stranger Things, and they're both kind of thrown by the casual ending of it. How the the kids go back to normal and the adults kind of go back to normal after they've um, fought a Demi Gorgon, mm-hmm. I think is the name of it. Um, but I don't know. That's one of the things about that show that didn't actually throw me because as humans, when you go through some terrible situation, you can't wait to get back to normal or, or like if you get thrown in some horrible thing, you try to make it as normal as you can because that's what we mm-hmm. do. What else so are you going to do? I, Right. Well, I think Andrew it just hasn't been through. I mean, he's been through bullying, but he hasn't been in like some really adverse situation. Like Luke had the teen pregnancy thing going on, and he had to normalize that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think having having some sort of life experience where you had to normalize in a, in a be, make that what is, what is Luke's thing be normal in a non normal situation. <laughs> How to be was. irrational in irrational times or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Whatever. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't thrown by it. Bobby, you haven't even nope. seen it. Have and you? I've just sort of zoned out for all the conversations about it. So when I finally do watch it years from now, I will not be spoiled. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward right. to Benona Ryder's performance in it. That I've been warned thoroughly about. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. That, he Luke made a great point about it. And I, I, he finally put his finger on it. There were so many chances for her to add one ounce of nuance. Just anything. Where she, where she could would calm down or get introverted or, um, you know, but she was just full on the pedal the whole time. It's oh, sorry, <laughs> no more on Winona Ryder from me. And did you have thoughts on either the ending or Winona? I think the only thing that I was um, nonplussed by by the ending was, um. There didn't seem to be a lot of consequences 
to the whole thing. And they made a big mm-hmm. uh, deal. Let's see, how do I avoid spoilers just in case? They made a big uh, deal about what Eleven did. But then mm-hmm. in the end, with the egos in the wood, it seems like uh, there may not have been lasting consequences from that. And I, I don't like when um, shows set up a second season at the expense of the storytelling yeah. of the first season. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I have. I don't think I'll see. <laughs> I have no I'll, idea what you're talking about, but Egos in the Wood sounds like genius product placement. I know. I was wondering uh, <laughs> if they were trying to, uh, if this was another throwback, if you remember how E.T. did the Reese's Pieces, I was wondering mm-hmm. if this Ego product placement was a similar thing. Yeah, I've, I haven't eaten Ego since I was a kid, but I mean, it's prominent in my mind mm-hmm. now when I scoot, scoot through the uh, frozen <laughs> section. I'm giving it a second glance at least. Um, top, sco- top stories, the Sky Jinx. Um, before they even get into that, there's a sidebar on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar backing Colin Kaepernick on his his stand to sit uh, during the National Anthem. Oh, Colin Kaepernick. Every, um, every reasonable person has said, now, this is the one thing we can't judge Colin Kaepernick for, right? Right? right and there's right, plenty right, of other right. things, so don't worry about it. Like being a mediocre oh quarterback God. and okay. looking like an idiot. Generally, okay. One 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 aspect of the story really bothered me yesterday. The uh, Santa Clara cops were threatening to boycott, yeah, doing security at the game, um, at the preseason game. And I'm, to punish this one guy, you're going to leave seventy thousand people with no police protection. Seventy thousand people who didn't say anything or sit mm-hmm. or wear piggy socks. That's insanely stupid well it's anyway, like when you're a doctor and you're working in the er you don't get to judge patients coming in and being like mm, mm, you're a gangbanger yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna treat you or yeah. i don't like the right. cutting not only chip. am i le- not gonna treat you i'm not gonna treat anyone else today right because you're a gangbanger. Uh, the yeah. irony when, when of, you're in the police you don't get to pick yeah the, the irony of cops no. um selectively choosing to do their job or not because of a protest about how cops selectively choose to do their jobs or not. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's, it's sad, fantastic, but really. it's fantastic. They, they yeah. made his point for him. Uh, now, this this is one, we're going to tee this up for, for Bobby. The American Airlines ad, the world's greatest flyers, they're, it's basically an instructional video on how to be an amazing flyer and to um, to negotiate your way through a flight most painlessly. And I think this is a lot of ado about what should be just, hey, be conscious of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, be conscious of your behavior. But will people who perpetrate all this stuff take anything to heart because they're not conscious of their behavior? They're not going to see themselves in this commercial. Anyway, Bobby... You have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on um, air travel in general and this airline behavior. Yeah, fuck yes. American Airlines. That's where yes. I want to start. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and hot. I Back appreciate so much of this ad, um, uh, except for the noise canceling headphones part, which Luke describes in. It's impressive the number of times this show has drilled down on the technology of how noise canceling headphones work. Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I do travel with a pair of noise-canceling headphones, but he's absolutely right. They don't cut through sharp baby crying kind of noises. Um, I've taken a couple of trips recently, and I've had a baby in the row behind me on every leg of my flights. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things are valid points. We should all be respectful of one another um, and and friendly and courteous, and that's all great. Um the part that this ad doesn't address is the adverse conditions in which airlines uh, put us in that make us all miserable. Mm-hmm. If if American Airlines would be more courteous and more generous mm-hmm. with space and time and flexibility uh, instead of trying to squeeze every penny out of every trip and treating passengers like cattle, uh, then none of this would be as necessary because not everyone would be miserable by the time they board their plane. Uh, I think they should add, uh, like when you go to do your seat selection, there should be like little hot spots that show where the seat kickers are, (laughs) where the crying babies are, where the the person who bought a tuna sandwich (laughs) and is bringing it on. You know? Um, My latest trick has always been, or has been recently to grab a seat in a row with someone else who's a single seat, even if it's not as good of a seat, hoping that the middle will stay open. Mm-hmm. And it it never works. It almost never works now because almost every flight I've been on in the last few months has been full, full to the point of people getting bumped. And, and yeah. that's, that's that first level of lack of courtesy, which is overselling flights, which just kills me. And the, Do they, this um, is not new that they, the guys talked about it and everybody else talks about it, but to work in an industry where that's just okay to screw someone. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in, do, was it addressed in the video? I didn't watch the video, but was, was bringing smelly food on the plane <laughs> addressed? Cause that's a big one for me. I don't want to yeah. smell. Your uh, air- airports shouldn't sell things that are going to ruin your flight experience. You should not be able to buy a uh, tuna f- fish and fresh anchovy salad or whatever. I don't even want to smell your like Burger King or yeah. your whatever it is. No thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe people shouldn't be able to bring random food on the plane mm-hmm. from the from the concourse. Eat it before yeah. you get on. It's like a, it's like uh, walking into a bar or something. No outside beverages. Uh, also, I noticed in your notes, Bobby, you talk about uh, LAX car jail. I didn't quite. I played it back a couple times. I didn't quite okay. understand what happened to <laughs> Luke's car. I mean, I'm sure it was his cavalier, his, his cavalier attitude mm-hmm. that led yes. to whatever happened. But I, uh, I don't understand what. So LAX here's car what happened, and I'm was. sorry that I didn't have a bigger commentary about the airlines thing. I've been thinking about it, but really, it just boils down to airlines stop treating us like shit. I have this very romanticized mm-hmm. image of what airlines used to be like long before my time where it was an adventure and a first-class experience for everyone. And I would pay more for that now, just not as much more as it costs to fly first-class, because that's ridiculous. Um, because that's mm-hmm. clearly scaled to people with expense accounts and bajillion miles on their accounts. Well, don't you think an adults-only airline, and I'm not talking about like showing sexy movies. <laughs> like that, oh, my God. Uh, that, that might be something yeah. that gets well, off the Well, this is a conversation right? that has burned me before on this show. Which is the argument yeah. that yeah, I, know. I, I genuinely don't believe that as many people need to fly as think they need to fly, and that that specifically applies I'm, to things I'm, like I'm luring you out, Bobby. Yep. I'm luring yep, yep. you out. Um, uh, if if um, if children in laps had to pay for their own seat, I think you'd see a, an immediate decline 
in the way that babies are flown everywhere yeah. because another because I've definitely seen so that the baby can go to San I've Francisco. definitely seen people lie about how old their kids are. <laughs> You'll see like a like a mm-hmm. large toddler <laughs> uh, barely in somebody's Augustus lap until take off or whatever on someone's and lap then running up and down the aisles the whole time. Um, yep. you know, like the kid on the bus in in a league of their own. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's still a still well. Amtrak has a quiet car. Still well. <laughs> Adult plane, quiet car. Yeah. All good ideas. Uh, and I, I love think. the quiet car. I'm not, I'm not going to make you say anymore. But what is what is okay, LAX so car? Jail? Luke parked Explain his car me. at LAX, uh, presumably near the end of the month, and his tags were expiring at the end of the month. That's, and oh when right, the new the month tags. turned around, that's pretty. That's pretty aggressive. LAX snapped his car for tags on a date and towed it to their own impound lot, and he had to go bail Jesus. it out and then pay a fine. I'm sure for expired tags, but of course it is. LAX is is probably. I assume it's run by some municipal public private partnership entity, oh, and so man. the cops who patrol it are probably real cops, and so the parking meter maids that manage that parking garage. That's probably the highlight of their career is getting to nab that kind of stuff. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's that's such yeah. a nice change of pace from their usual bullshit of people parking crooked or whatever. I mean, do we know? I don't let my tabs expire, but, but I'm on Luke's side. Uh, but one. do we know that they expired while he was in the parking lot? Well, that lot? was his claim. Are we sure he's not yeah. he's not just driving around with expired tabs? Are we sure? No. <laughs> For like seven months, right? But, I mean, he just, you know, right. of course, the reasonable thing is he should have just gotten his tags renewed before he went to the airport. Sure. Uh, That's one of those adulting told, though, things. And, and Luke got screwed yeah. by his own lack of planning, I'm sure. That's so aggressive, yeah. though. That's so freaking aggressive. Um, Man, that bothers me. Anyway, I don't have anything else for Tuesday. And Bobby's going to be in enough trouble because he hates babies. I, so, this is the uh, problem with all of this. I love children. <laughs> I don't love when people come over to me, like parents of young children often do, and say, oh, here, hold my kid, and then disappear for 10 minutes, which happened to be a couple of weeks ago mm. at a party. Stillwell has chocolate <laughs> all over his face, and he's got one of those pinwheeling things. <laughs> but uh, Hands are sticky uh, all over just, you. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think that uh, flying is a hard experience on children, and and, young, and I mean young, young, young children. Once they're old enough to sit in their own seat and be talked to a little bit, then they're usually fine. I see plenty of kids. Then it's, they enter kicking yeah, phase. well, you know. Uh, oh, there's my other pro tip. I always choose the seat in the second row of exit seats or the row behind that because I'm a big fan of the people in front of me not being able to recline. Mm, yes. That's almost more mm-hmm. important to me than anything else. I don't care about more legroom. I care about not having my laptop stuck in the triangle of doom. Yeah, you ever have your laptop out and then the person reclines and your laptop just pretty much yeah. closes? Um, pretty one great. time I had my laptop open pretty wide and the top lip of my laptop was sort of under the tray table ledge and somebody started mm-hmm. reclining it and almost broke my laptop. Just crushed it. Because right. it was wedged in there. <laughs> There's a great picture of Jeremy... Because I think we talked about this on Takedown or something, where Jeremy is he, he's sitting in the seat on the airplane, and the person in front of him has reclined, and his laptop is just this little yep. sliver he's trying to work. All right, let's go to Wednesday, 2197, Road to Woodenville, named in the style of the old on-the-road movies. 
Uh, Carrie is behind the wheel of the car de Bajo. Thank God. <laughs> and Andrew asks Luke what he's wearing, which he admits earlier in the uh, earlier in the week is his shocky cheese, which I appreciated mm-hmm. being an early mm-hmm. old school TPTL term. Well, the, he asks Luke what he's wearing before before he right. gets right. Asks I mean, him on the yeah, phone. He, he know once Luke's in the car, uh, he hopefully he was wearing clothes, right. but. He took a big chance on the phone asking Luke what he was doing. Uh, Rudy's in the way back, and this results in the picture of the century of Andrew and Rudy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is now the banner yeah. picture of the Stens page and probably printed and framed in at least a couple of homes of Stens we know. Um, I think I got that up on the Stens page within like two minutes. Mm-hmm. There was just no question that I've never. I've never been more struck that a picture had to be the banner picture. <laughs> and the Andrew quote of the week for me was, she's into giving me kisses and I'm into getting them. <laughs> oh, I'm going to cry now. Uh, they drive over the new 520 bridge, apparently Luke's first time, and they admire Jay-Z's Hova Lane, which I laughed at. Mm-hmm. And they say that the new bridge is, quote, not as floaty as the old one. <laughs> The old 520 bridge was riding a little low in the water for well, so a long I. time. I don't so, know. I always had a few I doubts have some about respect it. for that. Um, we get a flashback to a text chain between Luke, Andrew, and David. I, he said his brother. I assume it was David Burbank. Um, mm-hmm. Texting sort of spoofs at one another. And then Luke taking a 22-minute pause to figure out how to find a video of that's a pretty good spoof that he could text into that chain. Uh, and it was worth every minute, apparently. <laughs> I wonder, did he do editing? I mean, this sounded like a project. I've definitely gunned down these rabbit holes. Somebody will post a picture on the Stens page, and I'll be like, I could Photoshop that. And uh, the latest was that old lady scowling at Gus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that is insanely <laughs> funny. I love that lady. And I wanted to figure out something with that. But about five minutes in, you have to know when to quit. I mean, that's the important part there. Right. But – Right. I just blew her up and put yep. her in the chat. I didn't go go beyond that. I just wanted to have her her isolated scowling. <laughs> uh, but the whole point of Burbank just, just imagine it's Gus eating his milk. Right. <laughs> he really he Burbanked that. Right. Absolutely. He, he uh, and you note in here, it's worth noting that David is now a Browns fan. I know. <laughs> That's wonderful solidarity with Andrew. Yeah. I really like that. That really is because there are really no rewards yeah. right now. <laughs> It's so it's and really Andrew, a nice who's gesture. at best a lukewarm football and Browns fan, <laughs> is getting so much love and support from the team. Yeah, I don't think he could name a lot of the players. I don't, <laughs> really don't think he could. Uh, we get some boxer talk. Um, Andrew keeps trying to tell a story about an old neighbor down the street who has a boxer, but continually gets interrupted, <laughs> um, including by a story about Mike Pesca's dog, his boxer named Rumsfeld who got a limo ride service because it's New York and they do that kind of crap. And a picture of Rumsfeld in a limo appeared on the cover of, I think the New York post. Yeah. I'm surprised a limo driver let a well, dog into the I limo. I think the inside but... was probably, um, mm-hmm. uh, turned into a dog land, you know, like it was just the shell of a limo. Oh, and the inside's you. probably AstroTurf <laughs> and it's just a convenient it's way to pick limo. up a bunch of dogs. Uh, mm-hmm. and it looks glamorous. Uh, similarly, Genevieve wants to get a boxer and name her Barbara, which made me laugh. <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm not. I don't know about pun names yeah. for dogs. H- how does a you pun know, but uh, compare to poophead? 
Oh, poop head. Yeah, that's worse. I guess poop head is worse. But I like the idea I mean, of when you've been dating for so- someone for that long. I guess you you uh, will. Uh, and you, he wants a dog so bad. I think anything. he'll probably allow right. the pun. Yeah. Well, I think it's really fun to let kids be involved with naming pets, but you also, as a parent, have to draw the line somewhere so that you don't have to call a mm-hmm. dog poop head for the next twelve years. <laughs> yeah. Um, wouldn't it be better to just name? Uh, name your boxer after a famous boxer because then it's not a pun so much as an homage you know mm. if you're like come here manny come here manny pacquiao like you could mm. yeah um emily has dated people that had uh, i think rocky that seems a little too you know, easy that was another that was that was one yeah. of them but i i think i would go with rebellion <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's a good one yeah you can't name a little world history you can't name yeah. your boxer it's Rocky my, it's because jam. It's, it's a dog that's going to be smarter than Sylvester Stallone. You're really under. Mm. You're setting a real low right. bar for that dog. But it has same pushed in <laughs> face. Top story from Wednesday is uh, this story about uh, tonality when talking to dogs. And if the words matter, the words you say to a dog, um, but also the tone in which you say them. Um, a, of course this is true, because dogs don't know the vocabulary. They only <laughs> no. know the inflections, and they learn the words. Uh, mm-hmm. And B, it would have helped right. if any of them had read the damn story before they talked about it. <laughs> right. All right. Well, nobody really needs to read this story because it's a blinding glimpse of the obvious. I mean, we had a boxer mix. Uh, his name was Jack. And for some reason, he got it into his head that the word uh, roll around meant uh, a rawhide. So I, it was just because it, it was the way we, we said it one day. I said, I said something about, uh, you want to roll around? And he was like, hell yeah, I want a rawhide. <laughs> and so it became, I mean, it's all fucking tone, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they learn sounds, but they don't. You can call him a ugly son of a bitch, fuckhead, you know, but if you say it in the right way, they're excited. You're excited. We're doing right. fun and stuff. And that's why Poophead is none the wiser. He has none of that. We get an email from Barbara. This is the uh, uh, fitness fanatic Barbara, I believe, not Barbara Boxer, uh, talking about the 100 push-ups app, uh, and it ramps up real fast. It really really gets on top of you. Uh, and, and I think it was Andrew who called it the Slumber Party Dark Game app. It's not going to get on top of these guys because they're not really doing no. it. So well, let's, let's just say that right okay, now. Okay, this made me stop and think for a minute about this app. Is there any kind of fitness professional, any trained person behind this 100 push-up uh, app? So I went and looked up and this just this one guy named Steve Spears, who, as far as I can tell, doesn't have any qualifications to do any fitness training. He's some uh, marathon runner and just started a website and published a book. And that's it. And people are following mm. his push-up plan. Or not following <laughs> well, Whichever. He's making money selling ads on that free right. app, though, so good for him. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. No, no, good on him, for sure. I'm I'm down I'm down with however he wants to make money. I just wish they would stop pretending that they're doing the 100 push-up challenge or some... Uh, I will be completely push-up. honest. I downloaded the app, did the first day, and then just kept forgetting to check back. And I think I accidentally told it no notifications, because I always do for apps. So, uh, yeah. oops. Hmm. Oh, well. But we do find out that the the uh, whole end game is that you can do a hundred consecutive push-ups, right? Not just in sets, but a hundred straight. Mm-hmm. Which what is the point? To show off. 
Okay. <laughs> Something to do while you're not bragging about right. running marathons. <laughs> uh, or maybe you could do it while you're bragging, which would be quite an accomplishment. And we get talk about the rainbow mug from listener Catherine. Didn't she, um, didn't she later admit that she yes. hadn't Googled the yes. rainbow mug? She just never, yeah. never thought of it. Yeah, this is what friends are for. I'm fine with all yeah. of this story. Yeah. Uh, but this episode's really only a big ramp up to Thursday. Really, it's a ramp up to Wednesday night, which becomes Thursday, the picnic. Mike, why don't you take us through the picnic? Because you've gotten it twice. Thursday, 2198 TVTL Summer Picnic, Crowded House <laughs> Edition. No uh, kidding. Bobby, I think you you were watching along with me on Marcy. Yep, Myers as I said on the sense page, uh, Marcy was my hero because for the amount of FOMO I was going through, uh, enough so that I had a glass of uh, CSM Riesling that was nauseatingly sweet <laughs> while I was hosting trivia Wednesday night, um, followed by too much Jameson and some other things and a rough Thursday morning. Um, mm. I, uh, I, I drank my FOMO away and this really helped ease it. I actually put it on in the car on the drive home from my show and was illegally watching the video on my phone as I was driving home. Um, I didn't catch there the beginning, go. but I caught most of what turned out to be the episode on the live stream. Yeah. Me too. Pretty much the same thing. Once I found out that Marcy was streaming, it was probably 10 minutes in and then I, I was glued, and there were uh, uh, long food lines, I guess, which made the show pretty darn late. I don't know um, how the food lines would have been alleviated by being outside, but it seemed like, for some reason, it, everything being pushed into a smaller space did make things move more slowly. Well, you could have double-sided um, the tables. You know, you could have had people on either side of the tables if it was outside. You know, it's funny. I was there last year, oh, yeah, and the tables were set up. Right that way and it was still kind of a cluster it's just tens are a very generous bunch and so there's a lot of food and the tables end up becoming very crowded which means it takes longer to pick over them and get everything you might like mm -hmm. and um uh mm -hmm. stations is probably a smarter way to go everyone bringing their stuff on three smaller plates instead of one big one and spreading them out is probably a better way to go uh but uh we don't live in a world of should haves in the tbtl universe one of the most entertaining things for me in watching the live stream was the steady stream of kids running up to the dessert <laughs> table while the show was going on. They just kept going back for more cookies or brownies or whatever it was. And it was, it was really the, uh, that was the video yeah. spackle for, for, for me. Cause you know, they're just sitting there with their headphones on doing the show. And then I, Hey, another cute kid running full speed to right. the dessert table. Uh, I have a feeling at least half of um, that was adults sending children. <laughs> well, well, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. It's you. It would be, yeah. If a full grown man just walked, walked right across the stage to get to the dessert table, he would be judged. He would definitely be judged. Uh, there's a there's a spoof about Jen being already always ready to hide Jews in her in, in her, her Andrew's Jew hiding house obviously, <laughs> which now she's ready to hide Colin Kaepernick or where there was one other person she's uh, Leslie, oh, Jones. Um, Leslie, Leslie Jones, Jones. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah my uh, those are some big tall mm -hmm. people so I don't know <laughs> you need might need to get a big panic yeah. room that's a really those, big crawl space for those folks. Although, you know, yeah, uh, exactly. they joke about the Andrews Jew hiding house, but, you know, Jason is an architect, right? So True. there really could be hidden oh, rooms in that yeah. house. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to note 
so because I caught the live stream a few minutes late, I caught all. I missed all the first references to the Andrews Jew hiding house. Right. And about. Right, I right. didn't get it until the next day either. The, right. the show, there's just a passing reference to Jed hiding fuck Jews. Is this Jew thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons that I went back and listened the second time, and I got hooked and listened to the end. Yep. But that was why I started listening because, like, I got I got to know what's going on with these Jew with the Jew hiding. Um, Sean received some utensils from tens, including our own Christy Wise. Uh-huh. Who Googled his Those address? Were officially, in, uh, uh, a little red bandwagon jam get a router. Oh, yep. fantastic! Yep. We, we we as an, as a podcast and a community of wagoneers got Sean out of some jams. Now he can cook bacon That's shirtless <laughs> and flip things to his heart's uh, content with his tongs. I find that that the shirt is sort of irrelevant in the bacon thing, but the pants, yes. Uh, yes. You know, considering where the stove is, are more essential to the bacon yes. process. Uh, granny time. Jen likes Paul Giamatti a lot. <laughs> he is everything. Don't we all? I, American Splendor. That's one of my favorite movies. Yep. Um, but uh, I don't see how we can disagree with her. She was just really high on Paul Giamatti. Then she moved on to um, the Bieber, the trumpet in the Bieber song she really likes and it was a i they couldn't find the actual trump they played this guy on the internet playing the trumpet <laughs> part i don't i feel that was disrespectful to jen this was on the run sheet we couldn't get the real trumpet ready because i was sort of uninspired by the the high school band member <laughs> they both the have spotify part. premium accounts it would have taken about 10 seconds to dial up that song <laughs> but on the other hand the high school trumpet player was actually playing a trumpet, whereas the quote-unquote oh, trumpet oh, in God. the song is not. That's your personal babies on airplanes. <laughs> no, yeah. but, but, but they never claim that it's actually a trumpet in the song. So Right, so I haven't gone back mm-hmm. to listen. We have determined on an earlier episode of Little Red Bandwagon, you're discussed for the fake trumpet in Jason Derulo's Trumpets. <laughs> Right. Do we know what it is in the Justin Bieber Love Yourself? Oh, I think it's just a synthesizer. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it is a real trumpet. Mm-hmm. I don't pay a lot of attention. <laughs> We're going to have to get on the case. We'll report back. Right. I want, I'm going to watch the video because maybe they play a trumpet in the video at least. If you're going to synthesize it, then, you know, in the video, throw a trumpet in there just so kids know right. what it looks like. But the important <laughs> thing is that the song is not named Trumpets. Right. No. I don't really know the name of the it's song. It's called you guys Love Yourself. And it's a it's a fuck you oh, song. Interesting that that Bieber is writing about some ex. I don't know the backstory, but it's pretty clearly a fuck you to a girl who. Uh, yeah. Yes, actually written by Ed Sheeran. Really? Yep, not written by Bieber. So Bieber just performed it. Mm-hmm. And well, it's not like he's had a lot of uh, trouble and uh, trouble with the ladies. No. So I think if you're going to have like one of those songs, you need to have someone who actually has trouble. With the ladies writing it, sure. So um, uh, it, it could be any uh, it could be any female singer right now, then, because I'm pretty sure Ed Sheeran has dated all of them. <laughs> Fla- um, Flash Andrews doesn't floss, and she feels vindicated by the floss story that came out that said we floss because it feels good, not because it helps our our dental health and our our gums. Um, we've talked about this before. I can't floss i do other things to take care of that but um 
what what was interesting was her all this talk about not having to floss she was mentioning all the things that would make you really want to floss you know what I'm saying? Like, I think Maggie the next day in the tens was like, after that, I'm ready to floss like 24 <laughs> seven. Yep. Yep. And she mentioned that somebody told her once that if you don't floss, you have fecal matter in your mouth. And I just don't know how that works. Are you, are you putting the fecal matter in there yourself? How's it getting in there? Right. And brushing doesn't remove it, but flossing does. Right. Yeah. It's really getting into the nooks and crannies. Well, apparently just, I had no idea that, Shit was so good at that. <laughs> yeah, right. Is it traveling back up from my asshole into my? Yeah. I don't get it. So anyway, if you want to floss, floss. If you don't want to floss, don't floss. Right, she's you know, just, you'll deal with the consequences. She's mostly happy at the end of floss shaming. Now she doesn't have to feel uh-huh. bad anymore. <laughs> it's not going to end. Those hygienists don't nope, read, nope. so they're they're still going to be shaming. Um, what the best part about Granny Time was the last part when she was talking about re- overly relating to characters and that nobody is a is it an Aragorn something uh-huh. like that is that the character something from the from the Hobbit Potter stuff Vigo Mortensen yeah no one's Vigo Mortensen <laughs> that guy's a beef castle so let's not pretend that we're Vigo none of us are Vigo we are all barbs yep very true. Hi, Bob. Uh, I really like how Phyllis chimed in on this and said that, ironically, her mom is a Jen. <laughs> because if this was Cinderella <laughs> times, her mom said, we'd be poor and die at 30 because we have poor vision. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, it's, uh, I mean, we, let's have a little perspective. I know it's nice to daydream and think that you would be this person or that person. But, yeah, let's be a realistic, you know. You, you would be... You'd be a clerk in some shop, and maybe some you'd see some famous person okay. come in someday. Maybe Aragorn would come in some one day to get some stationery, and you'd say hi and yep. melt. Yep. If you were on Star Trek, you'd be a red shirt. You're going to be dead by the first commercial break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're black and a red shirt, you're dead before <laughs> the first commercial break. Uh, Sipping with Sean, that was the little game that they played, the interactive game. I don't know anything about wine, so I kind of tune out. When people start talking about wine, any notes from y'all about? I I just thought it was a that? smart way to highlight Chateau Saint Michel at the yes. picnic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's the irony of TBTL being having an official wine sponsor and no one on the show caring at all about wine has always been really funny. <laughs> um, but knowing that we're pretty much non-discriminating drinkers, and so if you tell us to drink it, we'll drink it and enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, I yeah. thought it was a nice way to to bring that front and center. And I, I enjoyed uh, when Andrew was drinking what he thought was a Pinot Noir, and he was so confident just for that one moment. It was that yep. it was new Andrew? <laughs> and then, of course, he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, we there was a wine tasting for the show many many years ago. I think that's where I met a lot of tens, including Kate. Hi, Kate. Um, and it was a lot of fun, especially for me, because I don't know Jack about it. And it was fun being so wrong, because usually in my life, I'm so right. Emily will tell you this. I'm almost always right. But I know nothing about wine, and I was wrong all night that night. It was a good feeling. I'm going to try it again <laughs> Being sometime. wrong. 
someday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, someday. Uh what one of the contestants that was being played for was was Maggie and and the crowd seemed very against Maggie uh being involved because she store bought her penne, penne mac like and cheese. Yeah. Mac and cheese. Right. And that sounds goddamn delicious right now. Um but I'm not against that. If yeah, just buy if you're going to this thing and you don't have time, buy something nice and I bet people ate the yep. crap out of that. Yeah. So um, she didn't win anyway. I don't think there's a Chris Sabo reference, and I I put this in my notes, and I think Bobby I put the you, picture in you, our in our Slack channel. Put the picture in our Slack channel, and and yeah, it's just as I remembered. And I had a pair of Rex Specs, I think, when I was probably 13 or so. I I didn't even know I needed glasses till I was like 12 or 13. So like I got pretty bad at like baseball especially, a little bit bad at basketball and re- real bad at baseball and kind of started getting bad at school cuz I didn't know right. I couldn't see. And, and so I got some when I was like 12 or 13, I got some regular glasses and I got some Rex specs and uh they worked and I immediately got way better at sports. But I felt such a fool. I mean, I just couldn't take the image of myself. So I think I, when I was 14, I got contacts and for to play sports. And, oh, boy, that was relief because you don't want to look like Chris Sabo. <laughs> and he, Luke said that that kid looked like Chris Sabo. And yeah, I'm like, uh, I guess really it's my own thing. thing to say about a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering, is that my own thing? Am I the only one who hated those things? You might as well just wear a pair of goggles if that's the way you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, like shop goggles, but they're a prescription. You can go weld and see really well. Yeah. Uh, if you Google image search Chris Sabo, um, there are pictures of him uh, as a, as a post baseball adult, um, where people have just drawn on goggles like in MS Paint. Aww. <laughs> because nobody can picture him without them. <laughs> no, I wouldn't recognize. If he walked in right now, I'd be, "Who's this dude?" If he didn't have his yeah. Rex specs on. All right, so there's uh, there's Q and A. We find out that Olive roams at night and then comes in and attacks in the morning. There's uh, email about uh, how the yellers ruin everything in the golf nap situation. We talked about that, and then there is a uh, YB a ten, and Jen explains that. And you quoted her um, at the beginning of the show, Bobby. Uh, she also said some things about not being. Just be nice to each other. Don't be a jerk or whatever. And all this was happening while someone in the crowd was kind of being a jerk. But we aren't going to well, talk about that. You put that many people in a room and uh, it's bad yeah. to happen. Stuffy, hot. Yeah. Uh, um, more importantly, conversation about uh, toilet time entertainment. Yeah. Someone asked, asked, what do you guys do for entertainment on the toilet? And th- hopefully that didn't – I mean, uh, thankfully it didn't get around the table – it kind of petered off into, into uh, you know, like I think one or two people said some things and that was it because I didn't want to hear uh-uh. Uh-uh. all right. that around there. You know what I mean? Um, and then the song of the summer, that was a big announcement. Everyone was really excited. Uh, they, they, um, they set it up and then they blasted the song. It sounded really good. And congratulations to Michigan State head basketball coach Tom Izzo. <laughs> Uh, on winning uh, Mike. this year's song of the summer. I, I think, know he's I busy. I think you've gotten your, your he doesn't wires have a lot of crossed. hair. 
somewhere? What? It's no. Lizzo? He got his nails did? No. He, he... No? No, uh-uh. Okay. Well, someone else should always handle the song of the summer thing. I'm more of a uh, sports Tom guy. Izzo's hair hasn't been thrown back in decades. No. It would take a strong <laughs> breeze to throw what little he has. Uh, yes. Lizzo. Congratulations, Lizzo. Uh, despite the fact that I assume mm. we didn't get the raw number on the votes, but I assume that her 80% win landslide was because a lot of Lizzo fans who knew nothing about TBTL voted. Uh, mm-hmm. It would not yeah. be a TBTL song of the summer if the final round wasn't polluted by external forces. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great when that happens. A, it gets more people involved even tangentially with the show. That's great. And the last thing I had to say about the uh, live show, the picnic show, is that it may have not been as great a setting, you know, with the rain and they got pushed inside or whatever, but I think it was one of the best live shows I've ever mm-hmm. heard. And it may be because they didn't have guests on and not, not that I'm completely anti guest, but uh, just having the gang yeah. together and having all that love in the room. Just this is like really when work. they pull out the stops and try to go like sweeps week for the TBT Elothon. It's always mm-hmm. great. The guests that they can pull, but it's not our usual love TBTL. Because they're putting on airs for some comedian or something. Right. Um, and right. this was just... Oh, we fancy. <laughs> they're throwing their hair back. <laughs> well, it's just like uh, when PBS does uh, Pledge Drive week, right? And they put all the special shows and like um, they play Celtic Thunder and uh, the Blanco Glass. And I'm like, Is I that don't... a strip show? I, Celtic Thunder? Yeah, I, right. No, not yet. I just, I just want to watch my Midsummer Murders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And my rerun of Are You Being Served? And I'm not here. It, and my Teletubbies. Yeah. And if you want to do something a bit special, like do a marathon of Downton Abbey, that's great. But all this stuff that doesn't normally get played on the channel is not going to make me want to donate. I do wonder mm-hmm. when Downton Abbey's first season in the U.S. aired and got such a strong positive response, if the people at PBS just had dollar signs running through their <laughs> – <laughs> we hit it. We found something. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean they probably haven't been that excited since Antiques Roadshow because that show costs about $400 a week to produce – and probably rakes in all the they cash. have to pay for is Mark Wahlberg's legal fees due to name association issues. Yeah, yeah. D- oh, or due due to his, oh, they have to pay off his lawsuits from the the abuse that he right. keeps on his staff. <laughs> uh, but, but all right, I'm I, done I with have Thursday. one Thursday note. It, it, I should have done it earlier, sure. but just early on in the episode, they talk about how crowded it is inside, and Andrew makes a quick passing pyrotechnics joke. And I just want to say, as a resident of Rhode Island, home of the Great White concert turned station mm-hmm. nightclub fire, I laughed and then felt terrible about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny, yeah. not funny. Uh, and now we can do Friday. And Okay, Friday, 2199 Negabucks. Uh, Andrew has migrated to LA. He is there for a wedding that he attended on Saturday. And he says that he needs to calm down and put on a smiley face because he is so out of sorts. 
They are splurging on staying at the Ace Hotel, which he characterizes as a playground for young moneyed hipsters. And he feels totally out of place there. Um, that made me think I got a Groupon for Christmas for my brother one time for this place called the Denny Kemp Salon Spa in Minneapolis for a massage. And I went and it was I never felt so out of place anywhere in my life. It was like all decorated in black and white with big elaborate chandeliers and all kinds of bric-a-brac. And, and the salon was staffed by these impossibly trendy gay guys who were so much thinner than me. And I was like, I cannot be here. And it was a nice enough massage and I've never gone back. So I hear you, Andrew. It's just hard to feel comfortable when you know it's not your place. I think Vives admits the mistake, and that's good Good on her. There was there was a 0% chance of Andrew enjoying this hotel. Yep. Zero. Yep. So, and that's a lot of money to drop, too, because you can have a bad experience. Like, you know, you go to the grocery store, and, and, and they don't have what you want, or you, you know, some kid rams your card or whatever. That's a bad experience. Didn't cost you anything. This is costing. Yeah. A lot of money. That's what would be bothering me is like, I hate it when the mistakes cost money. Yeah, And he says it's like a Lana Del Rey video all the time, which was a good <laughs> line. And he wants to, he wants to make um, clear that the staff has been great and really friendly and the amenities around the hotel are right. Uh, but it's just the room that is so mm-hmm. severely lacking. And before he even talks about this, Luke uh, gets it right on the nose by saying the hipper the hotel, the more likely it is that the rooms will be uh, small and Ikea cheap and impractical. Right. And that's exactly what it is. Yep. I've stayed in one of these hotels. Uh, I used to, before I met Emily, I used to go visit my friend Dave. There's Dave again, who lives in L.A., I used to visit him every year around Thanksgiving, so I wouldn't have to hang around with my family on Thanksgiving. It's a nice way to duck out of that. So uh, one year, I decided to treat myself to a nicer hotel, and I got hooked up with um, some hotel. You know, it's got like the one-word name, and I think it was like – it was on Sunset Boulevard, and it was like – looked great online, and it was it was kind of expensive, but it was like – you know, got great reviews, and – I went there, and I couldn't have been more out of place. The room was exactly as Andrew described, just fucking horrible. Luckily, I wasn't there with someone that would have had to poop in a closet while they were laying in bed three feet away, but just awful. And uh, the next year, I was right back to the Armenian-run Best Western, (laughs) you know, up up the street where the room was perfectly nice and the staff was not helpful, but I didn't expect it. So. Yeah, so I I couldn't figure out exactly when he was describing it. He said that the mattress was really low to the floor and that the foot of it was up against the wall. So like your feet would be against the floor and there was a big wall-mounted TV there. So that seemed really strange to me. And then plus the no suitcase space, no bathroom door and the toilet in the shitter. He should have taken yeah, pictures I, of all I have, Yes. I have hotel opinions, uh, just like I have airline opinions. Uh, and the first thought I had was that a bed with the head of the bed in the middle of the room running to the foot at the wall where the TV is, uh, is a huge damper against hotel sex. 
<laughs> it's a hotel room designed for watching TV in bed, which mm-hmm. if I yeah. go into a hotel room, I don't even turn on the TV 90% of the time. Maybe in the back, like if I'm traveling for work or something, traveling alone, I might throw on a baseball game or the news. Uh, but that's about it. Uh, and this, this whole thing got me thinking. I've stayed in a hotel very similar in Chicago. When Sam and I went to Chicago last year, we stayed at a hotel called The Public. I'm putting a picture in our Slack channel now. The nice thing about The Public, the bathroom was fine. It wasn't this little closet. In fact, what he described sounded like the toilet room in our tiny house when we stayed in Port Townsend a few weeks ago. And it was just like a folding accordion closet door separating the toilet from the rest of the living space. <clears throat> but my problem at The Public... It had like an Art Deco bar that was beautiful and had expensive fancy drinks. While we were there, Bill Clinton came in and was having dinner with someone, and so the security was super tight. Um, But when we got to our room, it was all white. The carpet, chairs. How am I going to get any murdering? Well, (laughs) (laughs) right. I mean, you'd have to be Dexter-level skill. Or uh, Steve Avery, (laughs) crime cleanup. Um uh murdering aside uh let's just say hypothetically i'll lower my voice a little Mm -hmm. bit here let's just say hypothetically someone staying in your room had a little too much red wine Mm. Mm -hmm. and someone else ended up going to cvs to buy spot cleaner in the middle of the night because he didn't want to pay the ridiculous surcharge of getting red wine stain on a white carpet Everything white? I mean, I guess it's nice to know that everything's clean, but I'm also afraid to touch yeah, everything. It's not going to last, though. And this was another one where the yeah. bed was really low to the ground and everything was Ikea-esque. And uh, the picture I sent you is very accurate. There were, like, no pictures on the walls. It was just all white. and It, it was very awkward staying in that room. I'll take a Holiday Inn Express anytime. Give me free parking, free fast Wi-Fi, and a pancake machine over any of this crap. <laughs> Yep. You sold me a pancake machine. No kidding, right? <laughs> it's a reason that um, Holiday Inn Express was our wedding hotel. Well, Andrew feels bad. And not only does he feel uncomfortable and out of place, but he feels that his negativity could easily be interpreted as him just not getting it. So that's stressing him out as well, because he doesn't want people to think that he doesn't understand. And that's why he doesn't like it. So that's his own issue. Uh, guitar talk, because there is a guitar hanging on the wall that you can take down and play in this room. And uh, they talk about their go-tos. I had no idea that Andrew could play the guitar at all, which is real kind of a cute thing. He has some guitar skills. And uh, Patience by Guns N' Roses was his go-tos. And Luke was Far, Far Away by Wilco. Um Either of you guys play the guitar? Well, I had a I had a guitar when I was a kid. I had an acoustic guitar. I think it was passed down to me from my brother or sister, neither of whom uh, had any musical skills or aspirations, as did I. I was not into it. I never tried to really play it or pretend I could play it. What what it ended the fate of that guitar for years. I wanted to reenact the scene from Animal House where the guy is playing the guitar on the stairs and John Belushi comes down and asks to see the guitar and then just smashes it into a million pieces. <laughs> so there was a guy in our fraternity that could play the guitar and, and I 
set him on the stairs, put some people around, you know, listening to him play the I, I gave my love a cherry, you know, that stupid song. And then I walked down the stairs, I grabbed my own guitar and smashed it into a million pieces <laughs> on the stairs. It was so fun. So fun. And because it was a cheap guitar, you know, really cheap, it just exploded. It was fantastic. I've never played guitar. Um, I had so many musical friends in high school that for a project in social studies one year, we recorded a CD of songs, like bad, quickly written parody songs about the Mongolian Empire. Um, and on a couple of tra- <laughs> I can on a couple that. of tracks on that CD, I played bass, and it's because they had to be a bass and said, "Put your fingers here." strum when we tell you to strum <laughs> right. and i was like no wonder everyone right. can play bass <laughs> don't diminish bass play. you're gonna get in so much i trouble have this no i have fun. a i have a, a mucho amount of respect for people who can actually play instruments i cannot i can i can hack a piano a little bit but um yeah uh you know what it's not about being able to play bass it's about being able to play two chords on a bass you know in a just like you can learn how to play three chords on a guitar i i did that we recorded it and i immediately forgot <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've never had the guitar experience, and I think I'm stronger for it. Well, I have a guitar that I got a couple of years ago for Christmas, and I have every intention of learning how to play it someday. Maybe now that I'm down time to now. down to one job, I'll yeah. I'll, yeah. And I do I do play the piano, and I just got a piano. My parents downsized and moved, and they gave me their piano, so that's awesome. that's great. So I feel very musical <laughs> right now, and. My advice to you, I'll tell you in advance. If I ever if you're ever playing the guitar and I ask to see your guitar, <laughs> don't don't give it uh, to me. All right. well, so noted. We'll start the LRB band because Meredith is learning piano mm-hmm. and has a keyboard in her house and I mm-hmm. can fake piano a tiny little bit, but um I can probably play jug or something. Mike can probably bang on a bucket. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cowbell. We'll fi- find you a washboard. <laughs> And a microphone that's just... Oh, I got one now. My beach bod's finally ready. I got a washboard. <laughs> we'll all get microphones that are just a little too high, so we have to stand on our toes. <laughs> sure, right, because that's what you and do. And we'll be that's in a barn somewhere, thing. and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sounds like a fundraising opportunity to me. <laughs> uh, we get a shirt suit update. The hotel can take care of all of Andrew's problems and he's going to do it. He knows that it's going to be more expensive and that um, he's just paying for the convenience and there will be all sorts of bullshit fees tacked onto it. But at this point, it's just a lot safer to do it this way, which... How how many hours last week do you think Andrew spent thinking about worrying about his suit? More hours than it would take to Google a one-hour dry cleaner in Seattle? Take his suit there and then bring it home. <laughs> Man, does he overthink this suit business? Yep. And uh, another thing that's making him a little on the grumpy side is that Genevieve uh, put the word out on social media that they were coming to LA, and now she has a big uh, get together for Friday night at a bar planned, and then a Sunday morning brunch planned as well. And he says if. Not that he's criticizing her, but if it was up to his own devices, he probably would have been a little bit more selective and done something a little mm-hmm. bit more low-key so that he would have some 
some Andrew time, some wind down time so that he uh, didn't get over socialized, but nothing to be done for that now. And uh, they do some very brief uh, breakdown of the picnic and mostly they highlight the really awesome standees that Jack Taylor made. Those were the little uh, felt um, pictures, signs, images Amazing. that he had put on all of the tables of all the various characters in the TVTL universe, including us, which was so cool. Yeah, the the way to identify me in the standee <laughs> is I have a little convict hat <laughs> on, on my head. That's the quick identifier. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. I would have commissioned him to do one of Little Red Bandwagon if he hadn't already done it. It's really, it's it was amazing. Uh, it's our banner image yep. now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Jack, you never cease to amaze us. Ever. Yeah. Yep. Very talented Thank you. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, top story for Friday is that people still prefer to read physical books. And in whatever survey that was last done, 65 people had read a printed book in the past year. Uh, and if you include claim e-books, to have read <laughs> ebooks in that, it was up to 73% of the population had read a book of some sort. And Andrew gets very uh, passionate about this. He says, it doesn't matter what medium you're using to read the book as long as you're reading. And, um, that it's not. I think he feels judged in some way because he doesn't. Right. Cause he he does yeah. the electronic reading. It's an interesting switch for Andrew to go from old man yells at cloud to old man yells in defense of cloud. <laughs> right. It is it yeah. was quite a flip. Hmm. Um. I myself, I was pretty resistant to the idea of um of ebooks because I think, like Luke says, there is a whole. A thing to the tactile experience of reading, of of having that book, and ebooks are sometimes a little hard mm-hmm. to negotiate. I like to kind of flip back and read the last couple of pages, or sometimes go back to an earlier passage, and that's just a little harder to navigate with ebooks. But it is so damn convenient that I do a lot of e reading these days. If you take a lot of public transportation, I, like I did when I was in my early twenties, and you have a a book. Some people will start a conversation with you. You might even make a friend because mm-hmm. someone, you know, has read that book and wants to talk about that book or whatever. It's, you know, I have nothing against electronic reading either, but there's something to what Luke says, newspaper or book or whatever. It can be a conversation starter. Maybe you don't want to have that conversation, which is, I know Andrew probably doesn't <laughs> no. want to have any conversations with people. Well, but, interestingly, I but, read an article that said um, the rise of ebooks. Uh, was instrumental in the popularity of Fifty Shades of Grey because now the mm. ladies could bring that book out in public and be reading it and <laughs> nobody would know that that's what they're reading. That's hot. So I guess it's a boon to the erotica genre. Nice. Good point. <laughs> uh, so what do I have? All right. So the thing that... Uh, Luke is really excited about today is the new Christopher Guest movie that's coming out. It's called Mascots. I saw the trailer. I didn't actually realize it was a Christopher Guest movie when I saw it. Uh, but this is sort of the, um, I don't know, continuation of one of Luke's favorite sets of characters. And they are um, 
simultaneously really excited and preemptively disappointed because, as usual, they are prejudging this uh, like crazy without actually knowing what it is or uh, whether their fears are going to be true. So it's really a lot of discussion about nothing. That would be a good TBTL outing, I think, because I think almost all of us are fans of that genre of movie, mm-hmm. they would get a big turnout if they went out for a screening yeah. of this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think we have a 10 who wants to talk about waiting for Guffman, why it matters on a future Friday show. We need to book mm-hmm. that, but I haven't watched that movie since I was a kid and I'm sure I didn't fully appreciate it when it came out. So I've right. been meaning to rewatch it and it meant it's on my short list, which I never get to, but I'll make an exception and actually watch it again. Uh, just for this conversation, because I sort of appreciate all the quotes and drops that get pulled from Guffman, but uh, I'd like to appreciate it more. And honestly, they're probably right. It's not going to live up to their expectations, but that's because their expectations are unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually like Best in Show the most, I think, um, out of the, all the Christopher Guest movies but uh for your consideration they haven't even seen that that's that's worthwhile i don't know why they haven't yeah seen that. i haven't seen that one either hmm. i don't think it for some reason it didn't land with a lot of people but i enjoyed it yeah well waiting for guffman was one of the few movies that i actually thought i almost might pee my pants laughing that was so funny <laughs> right and I, great. I really liked great. best in show too but i got a little bit uncomfortable that um the couple parker posey and uh was that Michael Hitchcock? That was the other the busy one. Busy Bee. Oh my God, they were so awful to one another. I I couldn't even right. take it. I wanted to come. Where's my the face Busy Bee? <laughs> <laughs> um, music for your weekend. Uh, Andrew comes up with LCD Sound System North American Scum, which is a positive title to match his mood for the day. Uh, Luke's obviously been thinking about Wilco far, far away since they talked about it, so that's what he chooses. And then Max, listener Max, chooses Philip Roebuck, Somebody Take Me Home. I want to note that Max sells the guys on it by saying, to put aside your skepticism, because Philip Roebuck is the shit. And at least for this song, I think he was right. Yeah. I I was was really impressed when the description way undersells that song. Well, you say one-man band, and then I think Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Right. Right. Uh, I think that closes our weekend. Um, Do you want to roll on through with our housekeeping? Sure thing. Uh, Ways to help us out of some jams. We're doing pretty good. We are prepared for any upcoming jams, but you never know what's coming down the road. So if you would like to donate, we'd be happy to take your donations. There is a button on the website, uh, whatever you feel moved to give us. Also, uh, as you know by now, you can use our Amazon portal, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and buy all your uh, Amazon things through there, and we'll get a teeny tiny little a kickback from that, and we still have stickers available. Uh, archives. Uh, September is here, so Christie's dream of being current by September 1st is, is over. The dream has died. But she 
uh, left us a note on the run sheet here that says, I was feeling sad about the archive dream dying, but then I looked and saw that we have completed 341 weeks. That is amazing. Thank you so much, friends. And I did some quick math, and that is six and a half years of the show that we have archived. And I agree. That's really amazing. So good job. Isn't everybody. that 17 doormats? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what the math is on that. Yeah, I didn't do the doormat math, but I think that that looks, that looks yeah. good. So thank you very yeah. much, everybody, and we'll get this done. And we also want to thank Phyllis uh, because uh, in her episode that came out on Friday, she took the reins on the editing. She said, I'm tired of your pathetic efforts. I'm going to do this and do it right. <laughs> Uh, And I forget which one of you that said that the talent is not supposed to do the editing, but she did. Uh, And to be clear, here was the chain of succession for editing Friday's show. Usually, and we break this pattern a lot, but if unless something comes up, generally um, Jeremy edits the Friday show and I edit the Sunday show. If one of us – or the Monday show, rather. If one of us is busy – and you've jumped in a lot lately and done a really excellent job uh, learning on the fly and, and figuring it all out and doing it with basically no help from any of us. Um, <laughs> and this week, uh, because Jeremy and Christy are so busy house hunting, among other things, I had said, Jeremy, take it easy. I'll edit, you know, because I was on the show. It's a lot easier when you're on the show to edit the show. Mm-hmm. And so I said, Jeremy, take it easy. I'll edit it. And then I think that is what prompted Phyllis to say, why don't I take a crack at it? <laughs> Uh, she didn't want to hear another Bobby right edited exactly show. so she couldn't uh, jokes listen on to you, one Fletch, more Bobby because cut. I'm editing this show um, but uh, no really thank you Phyllis you didn't need to do that uh, but it was greatly appreciated and she did a bang up job it's a uh, it's a solid mm-hmm. show in in ways it sounds better than it usually does and my only fault is that she set the bar too high for me <laughs> and for Jeremy and for Anne all right, how to get involved, littleredbandwagon.com. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook if you want to see that Jack's uh, standee. That's our banner. Go there, look at it. It's fantastic. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. Please email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. You can voicemail or text us 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. Nerd Out Loud, the latest oh, one that that is out uh my favorite part is christy and jeremy as you mentioned bobby are house hunting and some of the stories they are uh, from their house hunting are pretty amazing i think um my my thoughts on on their house hunt is when you're house hunting like in the um, in the range that emily and i were house hunting just like straight down the middle houses you don't see a lot of weird stuff but if you're house hunting on like a really high end you see all kinds of crazy stuff, like for you know million and billion dollar houses, people do crazy stuff. And then when you're trying to get a lot for your money, like they are in, in near Seattle, you you just see people do the worst things with their with their houses. So uh, hopefully they won't have to compromise and get a house w- where there's no separation between the bed and the toilet. Uh, which is one thing we've seen from their house hunting. Um, but I have all the confidence that, uh, especially with Christy involved, they're going to be able to get a nice place for the money that they can spend, and they're going to get Ellie in the right district, and everything's going to work out for them. So uh, 
I say good luck, but I know they won't need it because they are really smart people, except Jeremy, and they're going to find a knife. <laughs> if there was someone I wanted in charge of finding my house, I, I, Christy's at the top of the list. She's all over yep. this. Hell yes. And mm-hmm. uh, only, I guess they don't do this out here, but the number of gun safes in the house should apparently be listed right under the number of bedrooms and bathrooms. <laughs> Because uh, that's what mm. we're learning, among other things. Yeah, we saw a few gun safes here in Texas. But right, no yeah, surprise. Exactly. That's to be expected. Uh, and with that, um, Anne, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen, and we're glad we saw you again. Nailed it. All right. First, I had to wipe my nose on my sleeve because I don't have any Kleenex. Uh, that's where the uh, king keeps his armies, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. See? Where was that joke when I needed it? <laughs> <laughs>